Live from the Talking Joe studios, it's Talking Joe with Chief and Chris. Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief. I'm joined by my buddy, it's Chris McLeod, aka Diagnostic 80 from the Full Force podcast, and now, of course, Talking Joe. It sure is. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm very good. I'm refreshed after a nice break uh, with the family in Minneapolis. We went for a little three or four days, four days, I think, um, out to a beautiful lake house in Excelsior, just on the outskirts of Minneapolis. Kate's got some family out there, so um, we kind of went to see her grandmother's sister, her great aunt, and their family, and we just hung out in a beautiful lake house. Um, And while we were there, Kate dressed up as Zorana from the... From the from the GI the Action Force slash GI Joe movie animated film. Of course she would. Of course she would. When she's in her bathing suit and that amazing orange wig, and uh, she did a little cosplay photo shoot that I helped her out with, and it was amazing. So um, yeah, check those out. Pictures available via Patreon, I imagine. <laughs> just via <laughs> the, just via any <laughs> any source in fact go on go on our facebook page you'll see them there but yes okay. and or kate's cool. as well kate's cosplay kate's customs cosplay i can't remember what the full title is it's so complicated but anyway <laughs> just go on just go on, her, go on her page and check them out but anyway yeah it's been really nice cool i'd like to go to minneapolis because i'm a big big prince fan so oh yeah we were at lake minnetonka as well that was really cute okay yep yep cool so that's that's it's on the checklist for uh, places to visit for me so one day uh, you might see me out there it's bloody gorgeous mate go for it excellent excellent how about yourself buddy what have you been up to so i have been painting miniatures uh, i've got a board game session coming up on sunday with nice. the crew down at my buddy sam's house down just outside guildford i know it well okay yeah yeah i don't and okay uh so actually there's two people from guildford one person's coming down from bracknell one person's coming down from uh leicester area and we got with we're aiming to start at about 9 a.m and then finish at about 6 p.m it's board gaming session Blimey. and i've been i've been painting miniatures for this game called scythe i've talked about it on the on the pod before uh with ben this is a 1920s alternate history game about uh, cool. agriculture farming and war basically it's kind of post-revolution and there's big mechs and cool yeah war war war's going down big time and i've been painting the the leaders of each faction and each each leader comes with like a giant boar or a bear or a tiger and i should be finished tomorrow hopefully because we're starting to start a campaign which nice. is eight you have to play the game eight times but it comes the campaign comes with sealed boxes that you only open as as when instructed by the campaign manual. So you don't look wow. ahead, and it's going to change. It's mod- modules that will change the gameplay throughout the game. And this wow. this is kind of a big thing now. This is not quite other. Le- they call them legacy games, so pandemic legacy and other kind of legacy games where you actually end up tearing the cards up or putting stickers on the board, which is effectively like you know ruining defacing, everything yeah yeah defacing your <laughs> comics or you know stuff like that or cutting them up and sending them off to the book binder that kind of thing <laughs> um but that's the kind of the, the trendy thing so this is kind of not that extreme but a lot of the stuff is hidden so really looking forward to that and the other thing i'm doing is i'm gonna do it live now on the air i just had a package come through today from my local comic shop which is paradox comics down in pool in dorset which is not very local to me at all but it was my local <laughs> comic shop for a long time when i lived down there near my parents i'm just opening up to see what i've got and we let's uh let the readers the readers the listeners in on 
what Chief buys from the comic shop. So let's. So this is an it. unboxing video. This is an unboxing audio. <laughs> ah, here we go. Right, so let's see. Open it up. See what goodies I've got here to read for the coming week. So I have got Deadly Class number 38, which cool. is an image book by Rick Remender. I've got Ascender number one and number two, which is a Jeff Lemire, Dustin Guyan book. I've got cool. Coda numbers 11 and 12, which is the last two parts of a miniseries written by Cy Spurrier, Matthias Bergara. That's from Boom Studios. Detective Comics number 1001, 1002, 1003, 1004. Nice. Uh, I've got G.I. Joe, Real American Hero numbers Yay. 260, 261 and 262. 262. I still haven't read 262. You've got to do an episode on it soon. Yeah, oh, have you? Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm about uh, three years behind. Oh, nice. Uh, I've got G.I. Joe Sierra Muerte, issue three. Cool. Uh, I've got the connecting covers. Oh, nice. So I need to read that. I've got Low, number 21, by Rick Remender, Greg Toccini. Oh, and Low, number 22. It's an image series. Very good. The Wild Storm, numbers 22 and 23 by Warren Ellis. One more to go there. And some free comic book day stuff. So, yeah, there you go. Awesome. That that was in my package. I can probably only read about 50% of those because I'm behind on all of them. But. Chiefs package, package, package. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't be getting my package out every week, by the way. This is a, uh, a special. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's the good stuff that's been going on in Castle Chief. The bad stuff means oh. we have to go inside Chief's mind. Ah! What's been grinding my gears this week? What's been getting my goat? What's been the monkey in the wrench? What's been uh, hacking me off? And I am back on a train. And this has been some things that have annoyed me on multiple occasions. This time, it's, you know, you've got a carriage and there's the seats face each other with a table in the middle. Yes. You know, you're two by two with a table. It's when someone sits... I don't mind where people sit. Someone sits on the aisle seat and yeah. they've got a window seat clear next to them. And I get on and I ask them, can I sit in that seat, please? And they huff and puff as if it's a massive palaver for them to get up, move their stuff, let me in, blah, blah, blah. If you didn't want that hassle, they should have taken the window seat. Yeah. Or just not be... Because I think that's yeah. usually what the problem is. They're just, yeah. they're just very selfish, arrogant... Douchebags. What's uh, grinding my gears this week? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> on trains. <laughs> it's not getting any better, is it? Uh, on people... trains. That's. I'm yeah. pretty sure I've seen that movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> on a train. In fact, I'm thinking, am I watching it now? I'll turn that off <laughs> so we can get this. So we can get this <laughs> yeah. recorded instead. Oh, that's uh, amazing. But, yeah. There you go. I'm that's fed up uh... of these mother <laughs> d- on this mother <laughs> train. I'll cut all that out, but yeah. Um... <laughs> or bleep it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, what's, uh, that's what's annoying me this week. So it's happened twice this week already. Son of a... And um, the, interestingly, on the train I just got home today, it wasn't a table aisle scenario it was <laughs> it was behind me it was a a two by two scenario though and this american couple had kind of saved two seats and it was a really busy train people were standing it's the one from london bridge taking everyone out of london Ugh. and a lot of people said that i just heard them repeatedly say sorry that these seats are taken sorry these seats are taken and then someone piped up saying there's no reservations on this train nice and, uh she started getting the hump and then it turned out it was like a 90 year old granny who'd just gone to the toilet 
on the train and then came back to, to claim her seat. And so it kind of it shamed the person who was shouting a little bit. Just but, very um, awkward scenario. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. difficult for both parties in that situation because, you know, like, you know that you're, you know, you're, you're feeling awkward because everyone's staring at you going, why, why are they doing this? You know, you know, there's no one there. You can't yep. save seats and all this kind of stuff. But it, it's, everyone just becomes a child, don't they, on the train? Like, it's really, really ridiculous. Like, yeah. Especially if you don't have to go very far, who cares? Just stand up. Like I've had to, I've had to go from London to Kings Lynn on numerous occasions, standing up the entire bloody way because it's been that busy, and that's like a two-hour bloody train journey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you suck you, it up, don't you? You do. You just got to go. Okay, well, fair enough. And maybe I'll sit down when there's a space when a space kind of appears. But you know, if you, yeah, it's just I don't know. Everyone just becomes like a douchebag on a train. Yeah. There you go. That's another movie. I'm, t- I'm tired of talking about douchebags and <laughs> Let's talk about some G.I. Joe comics. All right. So this week we have got special missions numbers 11 and 12 and Real American Hero numbers 79 and 80. Where do you want to start, my friend? I think we should start with issue Diagnostic 79 and then we'll do Diagnostic 80. <laughs> it was made for it. <laughs> I always like to do the special missions last because I, especially this week as well, I actually really do love these special mission issues. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's cover the covers of, of this. Actually, it's two single issues on the GI Joe, isn't it? Yeah. So we, we can we can cover them as they come. So seventy nine is called Dreadnought's Rule. You got a cover of Buzzer on the front with a chainsaw about to hack up a dog, and it is junkyard. junkyard. That's so. Yes. It's really like harsh. Look at his poor face. Yeah. This is a cover by Ron Wagner and Bob McLeod. It's a beauty. Uh, and also, also, I have to point out, it's something that happens in the issue, which like, yeah, <laughs> just so often, more often than not, you get a cover that has nothing to do with what's going on inside. Not just with GI Joe. I just mean in like comics in yeah. general. You're right. It is. It is from the book, which is which is always nice. Uh, this is script Larry Harmer, pencils Marshall Rogers, inks Randy Emberlin, colors Bob Shereen, letter and Rick Parker, and yeah, that's it. So uh, Marshall Rogers is back, and uh, he got a little bit of a. A, a slam in from your good self last week how do you think he fared this week i really like the art in this issue i think it does have again high points and low points there's some really awesome like i, I just I, I love his shots where you where it's kind of like a little bit further away and you're seeing a lot of stuff going on i really enjoyed it i thought it was much better than the uh, the last issue and i think a lot of that is because there aren't many face close-ups that he has yeah. to do and I honestly like. I feel like the 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 art is like a th- the, even the faces in some cases are a thousand times better than what he was what he did in the previous issue. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, and it's you know there's a, there's a very cartoony vibe to that to this artwork, but again, like I, I think it's really cool, and and we get to see some beautiful vehicles in this one. Like for example, yeah. in that first panel, one of the craziest GI Joe vehicle designs ever. And that's the havoc. Action! Havoc was here place when suddenly things move black. Out of the heavens came the Cobra Rattler. Action forces under attack. Will the havoc with its twin cannons bring Cobra down to earth? Action Force National Heroes. Havoc comes with driver, Rattler with pilot. Action Force. Or the heavy articulated vehicle ordnance carrier. This is the new G.I. Joe Havoc. Nothing's too tough for havoc. Nothing's too rough for havoc. Look, Cobra Fat! Yo, Joe! Cobra's got two faces. 
produce much more than havoc when havoc's on the go. Cause out of havoc comes a big surprise that gives more firepower to G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Live the adventure of G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe Havoc comes with driver, other Joe and Cobra figures and equipment sold separately. I had no idea it was even an acronym, so I just thought it was Havoc, but there you go. That's why you're on the show. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Yeah, the, that's, it's a cool vehicle, man. And the, the basic premise is here, it's kind of, you know, like you say, it's it's a semi-serious kind of thing. It's a throwdown between the Joes and the Dreadnoughts. The Dreadnoughts are basically just f***ing around, chucking junk out of their helicopter. So not their <laughs> junk, chucking rubbish or garbage, uh, for you American listeners, out of their helicopter. And the Joes kind of then cross paths, don't they? They, they end yeah. up at, the, at the, the shack, Zartan's shack, and... It's just a big melee kind of thing and chase scenes and fights and stuff, but good stuff. Yeah, there's some cool little point like parts in this. I mean, obviously we've got, I think, pretty much all of the Dreadnoughts to that point that have been released are kind of shown off in this particular issue. You've got, yes. I think the roll call, you've got Buzzer, Ripper, Torch, the three usual suspects, but then you also have uh, Monkey Wrench, Thrasher, Zanzibar, you have those three guys too. Um, And also, they try and squeeze in as many vehicles as possible as well in this one. And you've got uh, Buzzer is riding the Grand Assault Cycle throughout most of this. Torch is on the Cobra Ferret, which isn't necessarily a Dreadnought vehicle, but they they often used the ferrets because they were like the closest thing they had to motorbikes yep. i suppose what's the i'm going to interrupt you there what's the grand assault motorbike the is that gr- Zartan's ground, motor- no ground oh, assault the ground assault yeah it was a two pack of vehicles one was the vamp kind of recolored okay. and the other was this motorcycle basically and it's ah, like a very okay. simple i think it's like a ram repaint i think it's just like the kind of right that yep. silver, silver mirage repaint and then you've also got there's also an air assault as well dreadnoughts had which was like a skyhawk repainted okay and I can't remember what the other thing was in that. But uh, yeah, basically, you just get these kind of repaints of uh, vehicles that they gave to the Dreadnoughts. Torch, like I said, said Torch on the Cobra Ferret. Ripper's on the Dreadnought cycle. Yep. That that came out like the year after those other things, I think. Um, so they're, they're really trying to squeeze in as many, you know, vehicles as possible. And obviously, you've got Monkey Wrench and Thrasher who are in the Thunder Machine, which is and another... Zanzib- Zanzibar's on, on his some air kind skiff. of skiff. Yeah, his air yeah. skiff, yeah. The, I'm surprised the Swamp Fire didn't make it in there as well because that's another vehicle that the dreadnoughts had specifically and around the same time and you know that might have made more sense than the ferret but you know it's probably easier to draw (laughs) i've I've actually just seen a bit of a typo here possibly i wonder i might look ahead to see if this one gets no prized in a future letter on page four where the dreadnoughts are they're at the kobe consulate they're coming out of the front of the helicopter on their vehicles like you just mentioned and some techno viper uh, they're running ramshod through all these guys and um, some techno vipers d- ducking down and he says every viper and tele viper for himself yeah and it's all vipers and techno vipers around there, i'd there, actually know so, apologies there is a tele viper in the background there is one tele viper but you're right the guy saying it is a techno viper so it's very yeah. It's, it's, yeah i think there's there's a couple of mistakes that i picked out as well not just in this issue but in a couple of the other ones we look at later on and as you can see, like I, I, I feel like in this particular instance, you can see the Tele Viper that runs under the dish, who then locates yeah. the bug that the GI Joes had in place, um, and then he kind of calls Zartan and says, "Hey, you, you got yeah. a bug." So you can see him in the background jumping under that radar installation. So this Techno Viper effectively is saying, "You know, I hope everyone else is okay, but <laughs> Techno Viper." <laughs> myself and the techno vipers 
you mentioned um, the, the bug that the Televiper found. That actually is a really cool bit where you cut back to the Joes and you've got Dial Tone mm. and Mainframe, I think, and Cover who Girl. is Covergirl. And they're in some dingy, dark kind of sewer-looking <laughs> uh, place because it is, in fact, a sewer. They are under the Cobra Consulate across, across the, the road with some recording equipment they've set up on a table and chairs, getting their ankles wet. I know it's like uh, right up, to, it's right up to their blooming ang- like shins, isn't it? Their blooming. It's amazing, water. and they they come up through like a hatch, and it turns out they're in some newsstand with some blind dude. Is he blind? No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he is blind. Yeah. Yeah. The Sarge, Sarge. they call him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's kind of running cover for him quality yeah he obviously knows dial tone doesn't he along the way yes and what i have to i have to also kind of point out as well as we as we go through this issue is that the the havoc which basically the team comprises of cross country the driver mutton junkyard and law and order so they've got all the dogs the dog team out there um and they've set up they've kind of camouflaged the havoc in the worst way ever like it's the it's the most it's the 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 least inconspicuous vehicle the joes have is this where someone's in a someone's in a hammock hammock and they've like covered it in twigs the size of like a pencil it's ridiculous (laughs) and and then obviously you've got junkyard to keep barking and it's just like have some noise discipline for goodness sake yeah but yeah this is this is quite a, a funny little team of um of surveillance really like it's it's the oddest group of of surveillance team i would ever choose like you know for for all of the specialties that the joes have you've got like low light you've got all sorts of night force operators you've got a sneak peek who you know like that's his job is advanced recon so well, were they I, I guess they weren't the first choice because they just at the beginning they're on the highway and there's a big traffic jam and they just kind of drive off so they're, they're i don't know if they were well they are were they heading, going to do they surveillance heading, yeah they are they do say that they're heading to the surveillance point. So they are they are the team that are picked for this particular job. Ah, right, okay. But I know what you mean, as in, like, because obviously the dreadnoughts kind of fly by and throw all the junk out of the way, but they are heading to that point specifically in the first place. So I think right. that, you know, that that's where they're going. And then obviously we get... what The, the crux of it is that the dreadnoughts take or, or escort Xandar and Zorana to the in where they're going to do a seminar <laughs> on how to become Amazing. filthy rich from real estate without having any capital or even moderate intelligence and obviously <laughs> that is it's one of these scams that that cobra are getting these guys to to front and what i love about this is that zorana is she well for zorana and xandar they're dressed in suits but they haven't changed their like head appearance so like xandar's Z- still got his bandana his headband in and it's yeah. like and, why would you wear that and he's got also on i don't know if you've got the recolored versions or anything but on on my one on that page he's got like uh face yeah his face paints on there yeah face paints on as well yeah yeah so he hasn't done any i mean obviously they're doing it to show who it is but i still think you know in that situation you just have them talk to each other and you can read that it's xander but yeah. i just i just find that really funny and then obviously from that point on the dreadnoughts go off to they're going to go to the shack and just hang out there and eat donuts and and uh, drink grape soda. And on yep. the way on the way there, they run into a, a military convoy and end up trashing it, ransacking it, and stealing uh, missile launchers or I forget what they are specifically. They're the it's uh, a wire guided missile which he thinks is possibly donuts. Oh, the dragon, yeah, yeah. So that's what they're called. Like the, an easy the, mistake to make. Yeah, obviously. 
grab one <laughs> might be donuts inside uh yeah. or i think there'd be a weight differential there between donuts and a wire guided missile but anyway these are dreadnoughts i guess because then uh thrasher's eating the chocolate donut box with the box <laughs> he's such a <laughs> yeah he's such a douchebag uh he was was he on the train was he stopping you from getting to the window seat <laughs> No, I, I might have been scared of him if he was. I also noticed that Zorana says lolling around, which I think is... Is that Larry being way ahead of the lol game? <laughs> I can only surmise yes. I think obviously it was a cute little saying back in the day, like an old-fashioned one, and then since lol came out, and <laughs> yeah. uh, it just it just strikes me as funny to hear it in this in this context. But yeah, and we see the... Again, like the Dreadnoughts get to their, their point, and we see some... We see some kind of odd things here, don't we? We see Thrasher and Buzzer playing a game of like, was it punch for punch? I think punch for it? punch. Yeah, that has come up before. It was a Joe who said it mm. when they were digging out the pit three when the new recruits came along, like Fast Draw and Falcon and Chuckles. Yeah, and they were wondering where all these tracks were because the 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 it was the pit was under. Do you remember in the in yeah Utah, in Utah? Yeah, and uh, they're they're all dirty in the tent, and they're all, all the the new Joe's like, why are these guys all so dirty? Because they've been working underground. And it's Bazooka who says to someone, "Let's go punch for punch." Nice, nice. So, so it's yeah. not just a dumb dreadnought game; it's no, also a it's dumb also GI Joe game. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so Thrasher gets punched, drops to the ground because he suddenly sniffs something and turns into a dog. <laughs> Yep. And then uh, he sn- obviously sniffs out Mutt and Junkyard. Junkyard gives away the position, but he's not giving away their position. He's leading Buzzer, who's on his uh, motorbike, away from the Joes that are kind of camouflaged very poorly. Yes. And obviously then that leads to Buzzer literally hitting Junkyard with his freaking chainsaw. Yeah. Which Must is be so dead. violent. Must be dead. Yeah, but and obviously not. Not dead. Not dead. And um, Junkyard would come back to haunt Buzzer later, and there's a good bit on page 2026 20, where Buzzer's tried using this dragon wire guided missile, but Junkyard's disturbed him, put his aim off, and in the reflection of Buzzer's glasses, you see a leaping Junkyard, and then two panels down, you see a reflection in his glasses of Junkyard's mouth wide open with teeth teeth about to so crunch him up. I thought that was law. I thought that was order when I um, oh when sorry I this no sorry Cause, yes because obviously you're junkyard's right. down isn't he? Apologies, yes, uh, it is. Of course, it's law. And then junkyard goes and gets rescued later by Mutt. Yes, yeah, it's definitely order that attacks him. Yeah, totally. Yep, you're right. You're you are correct. Obviously, uh, yeah. And then uh, the havocs just drives over the thunder machine. I know it's cool. Like, I love that little kind of thing where they're trying to get uh, they're trying to get in position to shoot each other because all their guns face forward. And he basically makes it so that he skids into place. He almost like Tokyo drifts his way into position (laughs) and then just absolutely obliterates the thunder machine and then crunks it. I love that sound effect. Crunk. It's a good one. And yeah, so, and then that's when you see that really, I mean, I I think this is a way of hiding some of the gore and the blood um, by kind of silhouetting junkyard. Do you know what I mean? Like kind of rather than have it like, you know, with blood dripping out of him and everything, because that's quite harsh. But it's quite, I mean, it's a a fun and a quick story um, for me. It's not like a crazy standout kind of Joe issue. I mean, it's one I remember, but it's not one that I wouldn't have it up there as one of the greats. Do you know what I mean? No. But it's a nice little, it's a nice little kind of intermittent story between bigger story arcs, definitely. What do you want to, uh, what do you want to Yojo Cola it then? I'm going to full force cola this one. <laughs> 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 um, probably a, 
a, a definitely a positive six. A six, positive six. I don't want to, uh, does that sound, it sounds low scoring, but I definitely, but it's, it's nowhere near as good as some of the other ones in the, in the series. And I've got to kind of be, you know, as, as I suppose, as yep. clear as possible. So I'm, yeah, I'd say six on that one. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm just looking back to what, what I put as my highest six on the list and my lowest seven. And I think I'm going to also give it a six. Um, and I'll play around with the position on the ranking chart um, later on after this. So, absolute ranker. <laughs> moving on to issue 80, which is called Rolling Thunder. There's a All clue right. as to what vehicle's in this. Nobody beats G.I. Joe, Rolling Thunder, Machine Gun Cannon and a Rocket Tower, Rolling Thunder's an awesome power, nobody beats G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Rolling Thunder comes with driver, other vehicles and figures sold separately. Cover here, it's kind of stuff that happens in the issue, but it's... I mean, I don't mind the cover, but... It's pretty know. vague, actually, isn't it? It's, it's more like... pretty vague. I like the... I mean, the Rolling Thunder looks pretty cool. The X-19 looks pretty cool. But the background is so basic, isn't it? It's just, like, yeah. really scratched. I mean, it, again, I don't want to kind of... I hate... I always seem to be dissing on everything that's in these. But, <laughs> like, the the cover, you're right. There's there's definitely... I mean, this is just an advert for the vehicles, in my yeah, opinion. There you that go. cover. Yeah. yeah, It's by Ron Wagner and Bob McLeod. And interiors, we've got script Larry Harmer. Pencils, Ron Wagner's back. Uh, inks, Tom Palmer. Colours, Bob Shireen. Letters, Jim Novak. And this is, in a nutshell, we've got a small piece of land just kind of off the shore of Cobra Island has has risen up from the depths in the Gulf of Mexico. And it's effectively just a fight between the, a Joe squad and a Cobra squad as to who can lay claim to this piece of land first. And it's very volatile, so neither of them want to actually jump on it just yet, yep. do they? So yep. it's the yeah. I'm gonna go flat out and say I'm a big fan of this issue. I am. I think it's brilliant. This this could be a special mission for me. Yes. Yes, uh, this could easily have been in the special mission um, v- kind of variety, based on the fact that it is a one shot. It yeah. highlights a number of new Joe characters, and we get what? What do we get again? My favourite thing in these comics, which is the roll call for each individual right. character. Yes. And yeah. again, it's done in such a good way here because obviously it's not one of those ones where it's just like, you know, name, 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 name. They, Larry does this really good thing where he kind of like talks through everybody like doing a different thing so that they can all get their names out there. So obviously you've got you've got Hardball, which I'm gonna go Hardball. We're gonna speak about a little bit later on as well. There's a lot of cool okay. anecdotes about him. Um, so I'll hold I'll hold off on going into too much detail while we talk about the comic, but I'll go into it. I might as well give it away. I'm talking about Hardball in the figure review for God's sake. Interesting. I'm excited. <laughs> But basically, he he's using he uses these baseball metaphors all the way through, which I'll pick out as we go through. But obviously, yes. bases are loaded. We're up next, Charbroil. So he's kind of banging on Charbroil's yep. shoulder. Hope you got a new flint in your flamethrower. And he's like, huh? The ignition system is electrical hardball. So straight away, he's done it so that, you know, they've named each other. Muskrat does the the I suppose the first person. He's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's effectively Gambit here as well. Yeah. He's that southern kind of drawl. But yeah, go on. Keep it down, will you? Old Muskrat got to get his beauty sleep, yep. and then uh, we all of a sudden we get to the end of the thing, and it's it hit and run is laying. You know he's doing press ups, but he's like heads up, out back, and ripcord look like they want to bend our ears. So we've got everyone 
like named apart from hit and run and then you go to the next panel and it's that's an affirmative hit and run <laughs> yeah. and it's just so great so name got, check done yeah. in two panels and we've got some great characters here like i mean hit and run was a ama- like one of my favorite figures of all time he's just incredible and a great character too outback's incredible again i have to kind of say he's up there too as one of my favorite characters and hardball is amazing so um yeah and then we continue on first thing that's kind of striking me is from an art perspective uh, i've been a fan of ron wagner's work in the book so far but here it's popping even harder and i think that's because tom palmer is kind of guest inking him here or i say guest inking i don't know if he returns but tom palmer was kind of a you know the the go-to inker for marvel comics uh, i guess through maybe the 70s and the 80s and even into the early part of the 90s and i think he just kind of—he's got a bit of a thicker inking yeah. line than we've seen so far. Oh, there's loads of th- yeah, real thick lines going through this one. Yeah, the colours are popping, and we see Firefly. We haven't seen Firefly for for a good while, I don't think. Or he's not been doing anything of substance. Obviously, you know, coming up soon, he's going to p- play a larger role. But at, at this time, he hasn't really done much. And it's nice to see him back in the fray. Yeah, totally. He, again, another uh, incredible character in the comics, and also a really good action figure as well with his little kind of. Um you know saboteur kit and everything like yeah. that like he's really yeah. really awesome yeah yeah cool bit here where they drop the, the like you say it's volatile that the 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 mountain the rock is shifting so they just boot some uh bats out just to <laughs> just to, you know he knows they won't still they'll, they'll get smashed up on the fall but at least they'll have enough uh juice left if you will to to try and shoot the joes down as they parachute out and that's and where that's we what, get that's, that's, that's where, where hard, hardball exactly yeah. that's where he comes in and kind of thump 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 womp womp womps them off the uh, yep. <laughs> off the the face of the earth or at least the yep. face of this particular bit of earth and he does mention here candlestick park which is a reference to the old san francisco giant stadium yeah so yeah it's uh he's doing this the whole way through you know what i mean and, and also uh that doubled up as the 49ers stadium as well didn't it yeah back yeah the day. back in the day is it still there candlestick park i'm not sure if it is i the last i've actually been to 49ers stadium okay to, but it was a number of years ago and right. i saw the 49ers bears it was the opening at the season opener and then I'm, I'm being a bears fan right they got we got beat 49-0 it was nice. the worst opening um performance of all time apparently i so, can't yeah. i can't say much more because i'm a dolphins fan so oh good um, you're, my my good friend adam riches is a miami dolphins fan okay so right. you're not alone <laughs> um one day they'll do something um uh, but yeah probably not in my lifetime same anyway <laughs> i saw the bears win a super bowl i'm happy yeah it was right. 1985 so that's yeah. done okay yeah my first the first season i got into it i think was uh i wasn't into it then i 80 whenever the redskins Mar- beat the broncos 87 i think wow yeah um, nice but, were you anyway. i take it you were a big marino fan then yeah uh, cool. i saw saw the dolphins at wembley in an ex the old wembley yeah in an exhibition game but i don't know how long ago that was it was early 90s nice but, but anyway yeah anyway okay moving on moving so. <laughs> on uh, carnage on this uh, little in the gulf of mexico because Mindbender is now some telly viper as he's dialed up cobra commander or fred seven on a screen it's just his face just glaring at him i love that 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 kind of like it's like a i used to think it was some sort of weapon when i had it as a kid but when it turned yeah. out to be just a tv screen it's like <laughs> oh okay fair enough amazing 
Uh, and he's basically wanted reinforcements, and so he's, yeah, he's sending a whole other helicopter full of BATs out. I do love that Cobra transport copter, which has actually been given a name recently. Okay, go on. Okay, so basically it's called the Aspid, and Aspid. It, was, it was given its name, I think, for the first time in one of the recent issues, uh, one of the recent IDW issues, I think maybe 260, 261. And yeah, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Destro just says to the Baroness, "Get aboard the Aspid," because he's been using this helicopter for his own personal helicopter, like for, right. for all of these issues. And it's yeah, we think it's the first time it's been used, and um, yeah, it's so just really, really cool. So it, yeah, that's called the Aspid, and we're not sure if it was if it was given that name at any point in the Marvel run. Did you remember or recognise that name? No, I haven't seen that name check yet, uh, and I don't remember it coming up. So that's that's pretty cool. I won't give you any more spoilers into the new. <laughs> okay, I am going to get to it. Something I must say that comes up next in this in this issue is the first mistake, and it's quite a major mistake. And that they keep calling Armadillo Rumbler, or they call him the, by Rumbler, and he's the driver, or the yeah, the, the operator of the Rolling yep. Thunder. They call him Rumbler throughout the whole thing, and Rumbler was a character who was packed with the radio-controlled Crossfire vehicle. So it's it's quite weird that they got that wrong, but obviously it's it's consistently wrong throughout the entire issue then. Yeah, yeah, that, that did twig with me. Uh, ben, I didn't have it. Ben had the Rolling Thunder, and I was when they called him Rumbler... I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure he's called Armadillo, but I was like, no, maybe I got it wrong. And you said, you just said that Rumbler was the the driver for for what vehicle? The radio controlled Crossfire. So I have like, no idea what that is. What is that? It kind of it's like a it's like a futuristic ore striker, very kind of pointy front. Okay. Uh, kind of like roll cage type scenario. I'm, it's not really a roll cage as such, but it's like you know basically a four wheel kind of little dune buggy type vehicle okay which obviously was out around this time for them to get the name wrong in the comic i believe so i I don't remember ever seeing that vehicle in the comic maybe i I, you know it does pop up somewhere yeah because like 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 i kind of mentioned previously i think by this time i had probably yeah because this is this is like 88 this issue but i probably didn't get hold of these issues till maybe 1990 or 91 and by that time i'd stopped collecting the toys anyway yeah so the comics were my main source of of gi joe knowledge so a lot of the vehicles that, that which is cool because you're you're bringing up vehicles that i've i've got no awareness of and since i bought the um 3d joe's uh you know the big five or six whatever the the history of the, of the figures and looking yeah. through the vehicles and that that that's you know a lot of that stuff is new to me which is really cool so yeah keep the keep the knowledge coming sure one thing i wanted to say was the rolling thunder looks like a real heavy b- and how is the mm, tomahawk how is it the, the tomahawk been able to carry that i don't know but you'd think it would take a couple of tomahawks yeah on like one of those like dual kind of carry jobs because you're right the, the the rolling thunder is massive and if you were to like if you were to like even do the toy ver- even if you have the toy version of the tomahawk carry the rolling thunder I guarantee that winch would probably snap because yeah. it's like... Is it the biggest vehicle? You know, uh, USS Flag aside? Well, you've got the Defiant as well, which is bigger. Uh, you've got... What's the Defiant? Is that the space thing? Space shuttle complex, right. yeah. Okay. And the space shuttle. Then you've got Mobile Command Center's bigger. So land, land-based land vehicle. That is a land... Well, the Mobile Command Center is. Oh, okay. But, uh, in terms of one of those kind of... One of those vehicles, I think Rolling Thunder... <sighs> probably is one of the biggest for that yeah one of the biggest kind of like i can't think of any bigger than that in all honesty 
the, before you get to the you know, the big bases and stuff yeah. obviously yeah. cool scene here coming up after that where you know fine we've got the tomahawk winching in the uh, rolling thunder but then the cobras don't want to be outdone because they got their helicopter transports bringing in the maggots and the bugs yes yes and again the maggots are pretty cool and the bugs are an amazing vehicle. I mean, there's there's so many great vehicles in this in this issue. It's just brilliant. And the ghost the Ghost Riders X19, yep. the Phantom that, that is just that gorgeous. Is that plane. There's some real really nice panels. Ron Wagner's gone all out here on making it look like a massive firefight, even Big though there's time. not that many. You know, there's not that many troopers on there. There's you know just a handful of tanks. But every panel where Firefly's talking to Mindbender, there's bats getting shredded in the background. Yeah, that's you know, a great shot. Yeah, the, the the rocks are being pummeled with gunfire, explosions everywhere. He, you know, they do a great job of of making it look like a real pitched battle, even though it is you know, not too many, not too many vehicles. But um, great it's job brilliant. all around. It's brilliant, and I, I I really like how Hit and Run's character comes out in this as being quite an intelligent kind of battlefield technician and obviously you've got the maggots getting in position to they're gonna they're obviously gonna fire artillery onto the top of the or they're trying to fire artillery onto the top of the peak that these guys are all on that the joes are on and because they're it's such a small land mass they have to they're they're close in so they they have to you know trigonometric yeah something like that trigonometrically trigonometrically impossible he says which is true because obviously they can't he knows that the 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 maximum like angle is like 80 percent or something i think he says 80 80 degrees degrees yeah 80 degrees and then obviously that means that they they're just going to fire directly over the 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 peak they're on and it's going to they're not going to come to any harm yeah so they realize pretty early on cobra they have to just shoot at the top of the peak and try and take out the cover and then trying to expose the joes yeah because you know like like you say it's kind of he's got a bit of nous hit and run and he's figured all this out that they're not really in in any danger until like you say cobra decides to just start taking pot shots at the top of the mountain rather than trying to land the artillery on their heads and then fortunately here's where armadillo uh, i'm sorry rumbler come and uh, save the day (laughs) rumbler dillo yeah rumbler dillo (laughs) rumbler dillo more like Uh, that's what i'm talking Um, about (laughs) yeah Yeah. and um he's driving over stuff as well we've seen cross country in the havoc in the previous episode issue drive over the thunder machine here armadillo's taking the rolling thunder and driving over bugs yeah absolutely trashing them it's funny (laughs) how that we're we're, you know the havoc was a big vehicle as well but the rolling thunder definitely is much bigger than that but they're yeah they're, they're really kind of trying to show off these vehicles in the best way possible they do the same with the mean dog further down the road as well don't they which is a similar vehicle kind of uh, yes. land-based kind of attack you know cannon and I, I i just i just re you're right the action in this in this is so good it's so dynamic it's fun to read like things are happening constantly and they're having to like change tactics it's just a superb issue i found another hardball baseball reference go here. for it yep hey i'm batting a thousand <laughs> yeah which uh for the layman's that don't know anything about baseball means he's he's hitting everything that's being thrown at him effectively so he's that's not missed percentage. effectively yeah yeah he's doing well or he thinks he's doing well yeah. but he is actually he's caning everything in sight with his womp 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 thump 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 <laughs> grenade launcher which i'm yeah. that's what i'm going to call it from now on i like it and yeah he's he's again like it's it's kind of like kitschy gimmicky kind of thing they do with some of the joes like some of them are 
really far over with their gimmicks and hardball is definitely one of those characters that they play up the baseball yep. angle massively but again i love it i think it's really really fun and um it's it's fun in like the firefight for them to be kind of talking to each other and saying these funny little things so this is a quick real fast paced kind of issue as well that i really love too and with with quite a few of these larry harmer one-offs um it ends as quickly as it started you know yeah. the, the end comes in literally the last two pages where the island sinks and goes back to the depths whence it came and the tomahawk comes back and manages to get hooked up and saved and then mindbender reveals he cannot swim and he will take the blame if firefly keeps him afloat <laughs> the end brilliant and it's it's just a, i really loved this issue like it felt like a special missions issue you have a beginning middle and end you have new characters new vehicles and they're all doing really awesome things like they're all showing off their capabilities even the bad guy figures and vehicles in this sense kind of show off some cool things as well like you've got the maggots yes they fire over the the peak but they do readjust and take out all their cover so it's you know they're they're getting some licks in as well they just they just lose at the end of the day because the rolling thunder attacks them from behind we're being attacked from behind i'm gonna i'm just trying to think i think last week i gave everything sevens um and i'm trying to think do i prefer this to anything we read last week and i'm think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with a low eight i'm gonna go with an eight as well but a a solid eight because i think again it's it's got everything i want it to have in a gi joe comic and with this kind of that special missions feeling to it as well so i'm i'm all in on this one not all in but eight (laughs) solid eight all right good stuff good stuff let's move on to special missions so first up we have special missions uh issue 11 which is june 1988 it's called sheep's clothing cover by ron wagner and bob mcleod and it is uh scarlet with a gun being poked in her face by a terrorist this kind of does but also doesn't happen in the comic as well i have to kind of i have to say yeah. because um obviously we'll we'll come and see what happens in the comic um there's a couple of things here um and it's mainly due to what both characters are wearing on that cover but other than that it's pretty cool it's, it's also a very very kind of violent cover yeah. Like if if you saw if you saw that as a parent in a, in a comic store or in like a news age, you know like a grocery store or something as they sold them back in the day in the states do you honestly think uh, you know they wouldn't think twice about getting that comic for their child do you know what i mean like i feel like yeah, as definitely. awesome as it is it's very like i mean that is that's a hardcore cover right there. You know, it's not like, you know, they, they've, the, the expression on her face and his face, it, you know, he's a bad man about to do a bad thing. She's scared that the lighting is, it is a very, he's grabbing like a you hair. Say, it's yeah, 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 yeah. violent. I mean, it's, I'm, you know, I'm wondering if the Punisher was, was quite a popular character around this stage. I think oh, he yeah, probably yeah. was. And yeah. you were getting similar ish kind of covers from that, that Punisher and Punisher war journal book. So, yeah, I mean, good cover, but maybe a bit over OTT for me. For a Joe comic as well, because it, it, yeah. the, the Joe comics, I love them. And, you know, the, I don't mind the violence in them at all. But, like, sometimes they tread that line, don't they, on the covers of some of the old ones. And you kind of think, yeah. I wonder how that would have been taken back in the day. Because, yeah. you know, anyway. I mean, but, yeah. yeah, so here we've got uh, Larry Harmer's writing, as always. Herb Trimpe's on art Phil Felix is lettering and Bob Shireen is colouring. And the first thing I'm actually going to say is, you know, we were mentioned the 
cover's very violent, but there's a lot of violence on the interior page as well, especially towards Jeez, the right. women. Yeah. A lot of lot of male on female violence going on. Obviously, they get you know their comeuppance in the end, and the 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 girls turn the tables on them. But yeah, it feels like that's almost foreshadowing for the for the eventual like comeuppance, if that makes any sense. Like it it's does. like you know, like them kind of treating them like kicking them about, thinking they're they're the dominant person in the situation. Turns out they ain't shit because when it comes yeah. to the when it comes to the crunch, and they're they all of a sudden the the women of G.I. Joe are like, you know, we've got to... Okay, there's the signal. It's like they just take them out, like, really, really quickly. And yeah. it's just like, okay, well, it, it just goes to show that, as you know, you can kick and punch and throw your d- around as much as you like, but in this situation, they were thoroughly outdone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think I think that's the, the powerful message Larry was kind of trying to portray. But you're right, there's a lot of violence in this one. Even, like, when, they show, when they're showing the security camera footage, yeah. and, the, and he says one of the guys, get, you know, took, like, fouled out cold, and he just shoots him, str- like, done. And he's, like, dead in front of the camera on one of the shots. And you're yeah. just like, whoa. Yeah. It's a, the, the, the issue itself, the story's a fairly, you know, basic premise. The G- Joes are in Germany. It's kind of like a kind of hostage situation. Are they revolutionaries again? I, I think believe they possibly so. are. Yeah, uh, they've they've taken someone hostage, and um, actually, no, they they were actually there to 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 just effectively like a like a there wasn't a bank they were robbing, but it was a cash grab, and they've ended up with some hostages. Nice bit where you mentioned where Chuckles is reviewing the the footage. To, uh, nice bit of way of. Exposition for showing mm. us the setup for what's actually happened, and from then on, it just becomes a, you know, a, a, a race with the terrorists who've taken the or the revolutionaries who've taken hostages, which have been switched out, unknown to them, to be the GI Joe female members, Covergirl Jinx and Lady J, and then, yeah, there's a there's a there's a bad guy spotter in one of the high up buildings who's who's following the path that the uh, revolutionaries and the hostages are taking to the airfield to try and escape in a hijacked plane. And when it goes out of sight for a very short period of time, that's when the Joes try and execute this plan of switching, you know, obviously getting the, the females in the in the truck to take out the guards, yep. and then for Chuckles and Lowlight to jump on and uh, basically switch clothes so that they can continue the charade when it comes back into the view of the spotter to go back to the airport and then take out the guys in the uh, in the airplane as well yep. and it's it's a very by the numbers kind of thing there's a couple of things that that crop up that kind of put a spanner in the works but it's it shows you how the gij team kind of operate when those issues arise like they get blindfolded which was something that they didn't think was going to happen so they don't know when the signal is going to be coming because they don't know when they're going to be out of sight of the spotter so the the chuckles and some of the other the, the low light i think it is get on one of those streetcars and they force the streetcar guy to ring the bell or chuckles rings the bell yeah. in morse code so that scarlet can hear that it, it she hears the letters j-o-e as like a you know yeah. in morse code and she's like right let's go and they kind of take out the guards uh sorry take out the terrorists and then they switch all places just before they come back out into view again and the spotter has no idea anything's happened which was really cool so yeah chuckles did the figure come with a massive hand cannon like he seems to have in every gi joe issue he had a a pistol i believe i think that was the only 
weapon he had. It's like every time he's depicted, it's like the size the, the the gun is like the size of, twice the size of a normal handgun. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, the the original action figure for one was not in a black and pink top. I love the fact they did like a different kind of shirt for him. That's really really quite fun. Yep. Yeah, and in actual fact, it was the obviously kind of kind of like a blue with then like green leaves and then the pink kind of blooming flowers he only comes with a harness and a pistol and the pistol's like a decent size i think they okay. exaggerate it in the comics but yeah it basically only comes with a pistol yeah I like, I like chuckles i've got a lot of time for chuckles big time yeah so you know it's a solidish special missions for me i'm actually gonna mark it down because i i don't know it's, i think the the level of male on female violence was just a bit too much for me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I know. I know. You know, these are the the GI Joe operatives, and you know, wh- why should it be any different if it was, you know, GI Joe males getting the same treatment? But I, d- I, d- I don't know. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but that doesn't That's take t- away yeah. from the storytelling of you know that Hurt Trimpe and Harma have have done here, and you know, the book looks great. It flows really well, and it's very filmic. It's you know, this is the line that separates the special mission from the regular series is there's no real comedy here. There's nothing, you know, sort of kitschy or, you know, there's no hardballs or charbroils here. It's, <laughs> you know, just f- full in your face kind of, you know, serious action. And the story's told really well. So I think I'm probably going to end up giving this a possibly a low seven or a high six. Do I prefer... Would I, What would I rather read again? Would I rather read this again or that issue 79 with the dreadnoughts and the havoc and stuff i'd probably rather read this again i think i'm going to give this a low seven and i'm also giving it again going to give it a seven it's a solid issue it's again it's a good read all the way through there's some elements in it that are quite interesting and like not you know not the usual kind of thing that they always do um so obviously you've got a lot of like like the cctv exposition was really fun i really like that how they how they kind of use that in the issue I love the kind of redesign of, of Chuckles and that he's got like a black shirt on and the stuff and and you know just little things like that is quite quite cute but also like you know highlighting how good the female Joes are as well and also just showing that the the Joes in general are on point like they very rarely put a foot wrong yeah good stuff good stuff moving on to special missions number 12 it is called Air Show we've got a cover here by Herb Trimpe and it is the Vector which is being flown not by Maverick but by Firefly and it's chasing down some biplane with um, Maverick in it with Maverick in it <laughs> uh, I quite like this car I mean that that foreground of the biplane really good proportions on the Vector behind not sure they look quite right to me I think that that's been because they they probably use reference to the toy on the cover right. And obviously, it's smaller in general, just you right. know, just okay. by, by the toy. It has some of the best art I've seen in a Joe comic. It is yep. like some gorgeous artwork in this one. It's, it's Herb Trimpe doing the art and inks. Uh, Phil Felix is still on letters. Bob Shreen is still on cover, colours. But like you say, it seems like he's... You know, this is the same artist who just did the previous issue. And you could suggest that the previous issue was a bit by the numbers in terms of there's not too much... F- flash or style and that's nothing against Trimpe because you know he's a great artist and but here it's almost like you know he's upped his game even further massively it's it's just awesome Uh, and that double page spread with the the Joe planes on it it's just I just love it and I've got this thing with the uh, the covers there's a beautiful beautiful cover by Jamie Sullivan 
right. recent one on one of the G.I. Joe uh, Real American Hero issues. I can't remember which one it is now off the top of my head, but I'm sure you know people will tell us when uh, this <laughs> when it goes up on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But it is this the most gorgeous shot of Ace in the Sky Striker looking high up, looking down at the uh, well, looking at you in the uh, the, the viewer with his two fingers like as if he's saying like I'm I'm look down there kind of thing. Right. And below him are these are these night ravens in in formation and then behind like below that is the ground. It's like the the you know the earth kind of thing. And it is just the most beautiful cover I've ever seen. And he's also done a great cover of the X thirty Conquests attacking a pterodrome and from behind. So you see them all from behind as like going into the pterodrome. Kind okay. Of thing. And um, it's just like he, you know, th- this kind of thing is what uh, I really love seeing the 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 old school comics doing the air battles, you know, and, yeah. and the kind of it's just just beautiful, beautiful stuff. The only thing I would say is that there's a weird bit in the storyline where instead of just killing Ace and Slipstream, <laughs> Firefly uses a non-lethal gas, and I'm thinking, why? You're yes. a bad guy kill yes. them it's weird that but anyway yeah and the reason he's you know gassing them is because they're at an air show um the you know it's so just uh, a new york i think it's orange county possibly or yeah and uh there's there's a, just a, an annual air show and the gi joe team are there like you mentioned double page splash the x30 the uh, vector and the sky striker are doing some aerial displays and Cobra must know they were there because they've sent in Firefly again, who was obviously just, we've seen him in issue 80 of the Real American Hero, and now he's back here again. And he's leading a small squad to try and steal some of the components from the Joe vehicles. Can't believe that was ever an actual plan that got drafted up. But anyway, that is the plan. <laughs> and yeah, he's, he's gassed them, like you say. Why not just shoot them in the back or use, you know, poison gas or something? But anyway, then he's... He stole the the parts and from the Sky Striker and the X thirty, and then he's jumped into the Vector with a couple of clowns in the back and flown off. And the only way that they can hunt him down is by jumping in one of these crop dusting biplanes. I think it's a P seventeen something something. Yeah, you don't have to go into the details. No, <laughs> the premise is a little bit far fetched, but at the same time, it's quite good how Larry works out how they could do it and obviously in this case they're flying napper the earth they don't know the controls very well in the vector because it's a brand new plane and it doesn't like it, it doesn't fly as well in at slow speeds and nope. because they have to fly napper the earth uh, they don't know the controls they have to they have to fly it slow so obviously that means that they've got that, adva- that that advantage of being in the vector is completely taken away when you don't know how to use it properly. So they can actually hot-foot it themselves as fast as they can in their biplane, and they can actually kind of keep keep them in their visual distance enough to kind of see where they're going and what their plans are. Yeah, and then the you know Harmer pops in a few nice little touches. The biplane's running out of gas, so they have to go down to some speedway and refuel. And this is obviously maybe someone that Larry knew or somewhere he's visited mm. to this because uh, he's puts a little little text box in here. Thanks to Accord Speedway in Accord, New York, now closed after 26 years of fun and to Smitty Smithers, owner. Yeah, he obviously knew him totally. So, yeah. Giving him a shout out, which is nice. Uh, but they, really re- cool. they refuel down at the speedway, get back up in the air. And the Air Force is out with some planes. They can't find this Vector. Where the hell is this going to be? 
And they remember Maverick and... Because he's up in this biplane with the owner of the biplane, whose name escapes me at this moment in time. It's not that important. And they remember, as they were chasing the Vector before they had to go and get some fuel, they saw a barge on... Bert on the Freem, his name That's is. It. There you go. They saw a barge on the river, and they suspect that that is where the Vector is kind of holed up. And so they go back to look. Now, a quick question. Why didn't... Once the Vector was no longer having to fly Napa the Earth once it got to open water. Why didn't it just, surely it could outrace some other planes or not? Did they run out of fuel? I think they ran out of fuel. Oh, the Vector got... ran out of fuel. Yeah, I think it got to the point where it needed refueling, yeah. Ah, okay, okay. Like it wouldn't have been able to keep going, basically. It needed to do this to escape, effectively. Cool, that makes sense. But then uh, Maverick and his man, Bert, was it, have now found the barge. They land on an aircraft carrier the Intrepid, and then Harmer gives another little box out. The Intrepid yeah. is open to the public and boasts a fine collection of restored aircraft from four wars, a must-see in New York City at 44th Street and the Hudson River. Nice. The so. Hudson River is also where um, Sully landed the uh, the <laughs> passenger plane right, comfortably without killing anybody, yes. which is amazing. Yes. Um, had I been a passenger, I probably would have <laughs> myself to death. But um, <laughs> in, <laughs> in any case, yes. uh, it's interesting that we're talking about landing planes on the hudson river even if it is on a barge yeah yeah um and uh, as we mentioned about wonder why firefly gassed them and didn't kill them here's the other bit which didn't really kind of fit in because there's firefly and a couple of cobras on on this barge in the, or they're out of the vector now they're in the kind of the cabin of the barge and they've obviously are armed and maverick's only too happy to lead this civilian i know in, it's into so an harsh. assault you know, and they start getting shot at. I'm, I'm pretty sure Maverick would have left him behind. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. He doesn't give he, two shit. If Bert takes one, Bert takes one. He doesn't have a weapon, for goodness sake, either. No. It's like, it's so dangerous. But he does anyway, bonk someone on the head. Yeah, he bonks someone on the head. Some naval units or whoever appears. Firefly and Co. surrender. I'm guessing it's, it's NYPD, Coast Guard, and Navy. That's it. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Maverick gets the vector back, but then... Your man Bert needs a ride home, but Maverick is his orders say that he cannot carry civilians as passengers. That doesn't matter. However, let's just, let's just get Bert behind the wheel. He can fly <laughs> us home. That's really cute. I did like. I like that finish, and uh, obviously washing the vector off of all the garbage. Yeah. I think that's really cool as well. I like this issue. I did as well, and it's one of those ones that. You know, it doesn't focus on a lot of characters. Obviously, Maverick is the kind of is the main character here. What's interesting to me is that you're effectively telling a story of um, of a character and his vehicle, and the character is never in his vehicle. I mean, he is at the beginning, but he's like the actual the actual like for the meat of the story, he's yep. nowhere near it. Someone else is flying it, and he's doing something elsewhere. So it's a really interesting way of showing Maverick's skill level, not just. You know, he's not just in this super futuristic plane that can pretty much fly itself. Like, he, you know, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So, if you gave the last special missions uh, a seven and you gave Real American Hero an eight, where are you slipping this one in? I would say, I mean, okay, so one, the art's beautiful. Some of the landscape stuff is gorgeous. Uh, I love the fact that they never, it's never on the same plane. Like, you're always seeing, like, 
angles of the of the horizon and you're seeing like the planes in different positions and you're seeing but it's so easy to follow like it's not like a an issue where there's so much going on and different angles and all over the place that you're like struggling to see where what which way is up it actually makes you feel like you're up there in a really not like kind of a douchey way to say it but like it does feel like when you're reading it that you're actually in a plane and you're flying around and it's just I, i just love that and you know it's it's a character that isn't necessarily the coolest character gi joe has ever created um i mean he is called maverick and he's a pilot so you think he'd have more cool points than anyone but being yeah. battle force 2000 it's a very like marmite group of characters he's got I, a I stigma attached to him for yeah, that yeah yeah and i personally love battle force 2000 i think it's such a cool little idea and concept and i love them i think they're great and i love the vehicles and i think the battle force fortress which you can do you can kind of make by putting all the vehicles next to each other and stuff i think that's really cool too and yeah i just i just think it's a, a wicked little story i'd probably have to say i preferred the issue 80 of a real american hero yep so i'm going to but i'm going to still give it an 8 because i still think okay. it's a solid solid issue i think i am also going to give it an 8 so we're all in agreement this week so far and that splash page is worth ten on its own. That yeah, the one that where you've amazing. got Ace, Maverick, and Slipstream all in their yep. planes, all looking super cool. Yeah. So that's the comics section for this week. Uh, be with us next week because we will be covering Special Missions thirteen, fourteen, and Real American Hero eighty one, eighty two. But before we leave, uh, we've got uh, another couple of segments. One of which is Chris talks toys. Now it's time. For Chris Talks Toys. Chris Talks Toys. Uh, <laughs> and this for this week, I'm going to be looking at Hardball. Um, may have given that away earlier on in the show. Now, when we were looking at these comics beforehand, I was kind of looking through and I think, oh yeah, Rolling Thunder, that would be a good one to do. Have it. Oh yeah, that would be a good one to talk about. And then I thought, actually, no, the, the, the one that I would wanted to really discuss is Hardball because he's one of those characters that he only recently got a modern version of his figure done in the Slaughter's Marauders box set from the club, uh, like, last year. And they did him in Marauders, kind of like a mixture of kind of, like, his upper bodies, like the original style, and then his lower pants are in that kind of Slaughter's Marauders kind of colour scheme. So we didn't actually even get a proper version of his original figure done, really. But obviously the original one, for me, is one that I, I hold dear because he's such a cool design. You know, obviously the baseball theme is pretty strong, the actual figure, if we look at it, and again, I'll have to describe it to you, he's wearing a blue baseball cap with no team's, like specific team significance, which is funny because in the past you've had Cutter wearing a Boston Red Sox baseball cap. You've had Bazooka wearing an old kind of like Patriots jersey that wasn't, I think it would have been like whatever the Patriots were before the Patriots possibly, okay. but that kind of red jersey with the 14 on it. And, you know, like, we've, we've had all these kind of different, you know, the fridge has been in there from, like, the from the Chicago Bears. We've had Sarge from wrestling. So you've had all of these kind of specific teams and players and people and stuff. Yep. And then all of a sudden we get Hardball, who is actually more generically a baseball fan. So he's wearing a baseball tee kind of jersey, which, like, would have that kind of collar that comes, that kind of m- m- meets button up and then goes all the way down the middle of the shirt so you've got this blue line that kind of runs all the way down with a gi joe emblem on it uh, and a, a kind of basically a blue baseball cap he's got a gray long sleeve shirt underneath his baseball shirt and he's got fingerless gloves like kind of little you know baseball 
uh, I suppose, hitter gloves, but they're not really in this case. He wears tan kind of trousers or uh, pants, let's say, uh, and he's got little kind of green, he's got green kind of elements, like light green elements to it, like the, the, the gun and the strap on his leg. And then he's got the black boots, but then just above them, he's got kind of uh, little grenades for his grenade launcher, which is the most amazing, one of the most amazing weapons they ever brought out for G.I. Joe. And it's just an absolute beauty. And then on his back, he's got his back, his green backpack with the, uh, again, like the the ammo shells that go with the awesome, awesome weapon. Now, the thing with the, the grenade launcher he had, the actual barrel that have the uh, ammunition in it turns and can be can taken away from the gun as well. So you can actually take that out. And he's just got the gun with no ammunition. Yeah, kind of I in forgot it. about that. Yeah, it's brilliant. Like honestly, it's just one of the it's one of the coolest little figures um they did the cardar is absolutely gorgeous huge hulking dude as well like a massive massive bicep and he's standing on what is effectively in that issue we we just you know talked about is what looks like that cobra island piece the peat like that new cobra island that was kind of forming he's basically on a mountaintop which is great so again like just beautiful card art loads of stuff now there's there's loads of cool like anecdotes about this particular character that that I have obviously it was a G.I. Joe the Action Force carded figure that I bought. Obviously, it came out in the US on just a G.I. Joe, a real American hero card. And there were some differences in obviously the bio and all that kind of stuff. Now, the designers, the creators went through a number of character names before they before they decided on hardball. Right. Um, he went through a number of the working ones. Thumper was one, which I thought was quite funny. High pop, which is obviously, you know, these are all baseball terms as well. So that's when the ball kind of pops up off the you know like or 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 just comes off the bat really high and then you know everyone like scrambles to find see where it's going to land kind of thing yeah. um but you also have line drive and lob shot as well which are also names okay. that were attached early on no foul ball no foul ball no home run no <laughs> no bunt um, i wish there was bunt oh yeah bunt the absolute uh, yeah and <laughs> I'm sure, I'm surprised that double play that sounds GI Joe-ish. There was a double blast, yeah, but there was no okay. double play, unfortunately. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, there's there's a ton that you could utilize from baseball. They have they have more sayings in baseball than in any other sport, I think. Yeah. And so, like his file name in the US was Wilma S. Duggleby, but on in the UK card it was Simon S. Duggleby because I don't think people would have thought Wilma was an, a real name. I don't know why they changed it a lot of the time. They, I think, just think for like you know to relate to character, to to relate to British kids. Simon sounded a bit better. I think the only reference to the name Wilma I've ever heard is from the Flintstones. Yeah, totally. Which and that's Wilma, female name. Yeah, well, that's okay. Wilma. This is Wilma. Yeah. So okay. there's a right. that's the male version, I suppose, of it. Got it. And also that is a play on the inventor of baseball, which was Abner Doubleday. So they're using the baseball terms again. His birthplace of Cooperstown, New York, is also home to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. So that's quite interesting. And uh, and so you've got this kind of like, you know, loads of baseball terms being thrown in there. And in the UK card, they kept those terms. They kept Cooperstown, New York as his birthplace. They'd often change that if they didn't think it made any sense. Like so, in, in the UK card, it says after five seasons of playing centre field in the minor leagues, Hardball came to the realization that the big league scouts just weren't interested in in athletic prowess. They wanted star quality. 
The G.I. Joe team was more interested in team players than in stars, and they had a real need for a guy who could judge distances accurately and react quickly with deliberation. And then the quote was, Grenade launchers are fitted with adjustable graduated sights calibrated in 25 metre increments. In a firefight, nobody wants to start readjusting sights, especially the blooper man. Hardball can drop a 40 mil frag into a bucket from 75 metres simply by eyeballing it. The nice. man's a natural, which I think I just I just love that, and it was such a cute card and everything, and yeah. So so hardball is my Chris talks toys this week, and he's again like an absolute beauty of an action figure. Did you have him, by the way? Excellent, good good recap. Um, no, I didn't. Uh, ben had him. I never had him. I think he was still collecting figures in into that era. But uh, always always a cool looking figure with a, with a with a good sized weapon. <laughs> we all we like a good sized weapon. From but, a multi-shot yeah. grenadier. Oh, one thing I, I failed to mention in the preview. You know when we were talking about uh, issue 80? I yep. noticed an error towards the end where Outback says hit and run, but is clearly talking to Ripcord. Ah, so okay. it's because it's not hit and run because he doesn't have the face paint on. They've got similar helmets, so I thought it might have been a colouring issue. But then I realised yep. that the helmet was definitely Ripcord's. And it's like, okay, that that's that's just another error. So yeah, we there was quite a few little ball drops in uh, in the issues we read this week. I yeah. noticed. Never good to get your balls dropped. <laughs> but um, anyway, no, it's good stuff. Good stuff. I always look forward to that little segment because uh, I generally know nothing that you're telling me. Which oh, good. Is good. Um, uh, before we do close out, uh, there is one other bit of business we need to take care of, which is um, Chief Best Chris a question. Chief asks Chris a question. What'll he say? What'll he do when Chief asks Chris a question? So my question this week is, of all that big slew of 1980s kind of male-focused action <laughs> primetime Saturday night shows, a la right. A-Team, Knight Rider, Airwolf, Street Hawk, all that kind of stuff. What was yes. your favourite? Oh my goodness, that's a good question. And I must, I'll, I'll, I'll pre- preface it, but I mean, there are some absolute beauties in there. So I have strong nostalgic connection with the A Team yep. because when that would come on, I think like I can't remember if it came on after or or before they did the final res- the final score result, video printer style thing for the for the games. I think it was. I think, I think it was after. I think it was afterwards. I think they do the vidi print stuff, and then I, I remember seeing the the scores coming through, and and I and then I, then it would be like onto the A team, and you get straight into the intro, and it would just be like, oh my god, this is amazing. So I was a big A team fan as a kid, but then Airwolf. I mean, probably one of the greatest theme tunes. And I mean, A team was a good theme tune, but Airwolf yeah. had that. 80s synth going on the I mean it was just amazing I loved it that was great Street Hawk was one that I really enjoyed but didn't see it very often so I only knew it through like I think like you know like a few publications and then it was on TV once or twice but I was it was one of the ones that I was like in I really liked like the thought of it but never really saw enough of it to get involved Blue Thunder was another one like that, and then yep. obviously Knight Rider was was massive too. Again, solid theme, interesting, you know, prime time. Did you ever? Ch- uh, I want to give a little shout out to Manimal. Did you ever see Manimal? I did see Manimal. Yeah. yeah. Again, not very, not as often as some of the others. Uh, Dukes of Hazard um, oh, was, yeah, was Dukes, another one yeah. that was like. You know, I saw that quite often. Bit problematic now, Dukes of Hazard looking back. Yeah, very, but, but very problematic at, at in many time, different ways. At the time, cracking. 
Yeah, exactly. And you know that you these things as a kid, you enjoy them, and you realize the you realize the problems later on in life, and you yeah. go, okay, uh, I can I can deal with that. But I think out of all of them, the the one that gave me the most joy was probably the A Team. Yeah, I think Airwolf was a close second. If not, they were tied. But yeah, I think out of all those shows, those okay. two were pretty high up there. I can't think of any others off the top of my head, and I might kick myself that. Yeah. That some are, are, are going are going like awry. Were there any it, others? It's okay. No, it's okay because you've given the correct answer. It is the eighteen. Okay, good, good. Okay, good. Um, I always just loved uh, that intro. You know, in nineteen seventy-two, a crack commander unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security stockade to Los Angeles underground. Today, still wonder about the government. They survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, I know I can help. If you can find them, maybe you can hire the eighteen. Maybe you can hire. But yeah, I used to love Hannibal. He'd just be dressed up in that intro and outlet. Someone's trying to find him, and he's dressed up as like a gardener. Like uh, with some shears, just clipping the thing. Where am I going to find Hannibal Smith? You just found him. Oh, there's a brilliant music video by John Cena called "Bad Bad Man." Have you ever seen it? No. Oh, mate, you got to watch it. It's it's a A team take, but it's basically John Cena, Bumpy Knuckles, and I think the other guy. I can't remember his name, but he was like one of John Cena's kind of entourage, and they um they did this amazing video. It's an absolute tune as well. You'll have to you'll have everyone go and Google it if you haven't ever heard "Bad Man" by uh, John Cena. I'm gonna go and have a look after this, but um yeah, one of my favorite Hannibal. Uh, disguises was i think he is on uh, a horse like a <laughs> like a, a big metallic horse and he's all yeah. in either gold or black or whatever and he's pretending to be a statue like yeah. a cavalry man historic cavalry man on statue and i don't know how long he stood there you know completely or sat there completely still before he had to reveal himself but I mean, brilliant yeah that i was, like the monster from the black lagoon style oh, yeah. hollywood set kind yeah. of one where he pulls Smoking a, a cigar hatch. yeah <laughs> Pulls the hatch to the side, and there he is, smoking a cigar, yeah. Um, Cool. Face. I used to love Face. I used to think he was the coolest guy alive. Templeton Peck. Oh, my God. And, and like, the cars he drove. Oh, and his main car. Well, as his one we missed off, especially because at the same time, I think he was paying Apollo from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, big time. Battlestar Galactica is another good one, yeah. Another good one. Um, Yep, I think that about wraps it up for this week. So be sure to do your homework and read Special Mission 1314, Real American Hero 8182, ahead of next week's show. We'll you can do. find us in all the normal places, talkingjoecomics at gmail.com. If you've got questions, find us at Talking Joe Comics on Instagram and talking underscore Joe on Twitter. There's also a Facebook page, Talking Joe at GI Joe Podcast. If fine listeners out there want to get hold of you, Chris, how can they do that? Full Force. Just go to the Full Force Podcast on Podbean, iTunes, or Stitcher. Find us on Facebook, on Twitter. We've got a Patreon page. We're everywhere. And YouTube. Do that. Definitely check that out. If you want to get hold of me personally, I'm on Chiefy Two Shoes on Twitter, which Lol. is Chiefy Number Two Shoes. Check us out on any of the uh, aforementioned social media links. You can also find me personally at Diagnostic AT Anything. D-I-A-G-N-O-S-T-I-K There you go, do it. With that said, we will see you down the road. Bye!